sure do enjoy reading letters from children all over, especially when they write about what they are doing to shine for Jesus or what they enjoy from our programming. I get letters from teenagers that don't want us to forget about their age group, like Ashley, who wants us to be real and at times even funny. We hear you, and that is why we are trying to do our best to do just that. Thank you for all these letters and emails, as I appreciate each one of them. I look forward to more letters, so keep writing. Revelation, the time of the end, mysterious signs, strange happenings, confusing numbers. Are we facing a new world order and the mark of the beast? Are we living on a planet in upheaval? Are we on the verge of Armageddon? Revelation. What do all the signs in this mysterious book mean? Discover real answers. Revelation Speaks Peace with Sean Boonstra. I was reading today in the book of Psalms, and yesterday I was in 11. Guess where I was today? 12. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. There's that number seven again. His word is perfectly pure. And the, you know what's beautiful about it? If something is man-made, if it is fabricated like a tablecloth, put it under a microscope, and the closer you look, the more you see the flaws, right? If I write a book, you'll find the errors. They're, they'll be in there. I'm a human being. If God writes a book, it's more like a snowflake. Put that under a microscope, and the longer you look, the more beautiful it is. And I can tell you that my experience over the last quarter century or so has been the deeper I go, the more beautiful it gets, and it just becomes more consistent and more powerful the longer I look at this book. I'm, I'm glad that eternity is all eternity, because we're going to have a lot to learn from the mind of an eternal God. You cannot defeat the Word of God. Anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. Our subject tonight, one of my favorites, the appearing. What will it be like? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, the thing we want most is to actually see Jesus, to be home, to be reunited with you forever. As we wait, we look for Jesus in the words of the Bible. We want to see him there. We want to hear his voice. And it's my prayer tonight that you would give me the ability to represent you faithfully tonight, that what I speak would come from the Word of God, not from man's opinion, not from books, not from films, but from the Word of God. And I'm asking that the only voice we truly hear tonight is yours. Again, I ask that you would cover me with the blood of Christ and make me fit to speak tonight. Forgive my sins. Take a coal from heaven's altar again. Touch my lips, Father, I ask. And give me the ability to put a smile on your face because I've been a faithful servant. And I ask for that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The second coming of Christ 
is probably the most talked about subject in Bible prophecy. I've already mentioned it, but the second coming of Christ is mentioned some 2,500 times in the pages of the Bible. We have Dwight L. Moody to thank for that count. He sat down one day, went through the whole Bible, counted 2,500 references. On average, one out of eight passages in the New Testament makes some allusion to the second coming of Christ. But what's strange about it is that with all of that data, and I'm talking now thousands of passages, with all of that data, Christians seem to disagree about this more than just about any other subject. Go go into any bookstore, buy 100 books on the second coming. Go ahead, get 100 books on the second coming. I've got at least that many. I've got like 4,000 titles in my home library on prophecy, and I open them all up. You open up 100 of those books, and you will find 100 different theories. And the question that's always bothered me is, how could 100 different theories all be right? Can 100 different theories be right? And the answer is no. But why do we have so many? Is it because God doesn't speak clearly? Sure, He does. Tonight, I want to put aside all the books. There are hundreds of them. We probably have some of the same ones in our library, you and I. I want to put them all aside and for once just let the Bible speak because as you have seen, God has a way of speaking very clearly for himself. Tonight I just want to deal in what we know for sure. I want to deal in biblical certainty. And I guess I want to begin with a question that might surprise you tonight. The question is this. Did Jesus actually say that he was going to come back? And people say, that's a strange question for you, Sean. For seven nights you've been telling us Jesus is going to come back. Of course he is. Why would you ask a question like that? Well, it's because one time a man was coming to Revelation Speaks Peace about 10, 11 years ago, and six nights in he came up to me, put his finger in my face and said, Jesus isn't actually coming again. He never said he would. I thought, six nights and you... you No, Jesus never said he was going to come. So now I always want to be absolutely sure that Jesus actually said it. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. There's the voice of Jesus. It's always, fear not. Let not your heart be troubled. That's why I call this Revelation Speaks Peace, not death and doom and destruction. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Read this carefully. In my Father's house are a few little huts. Many mansions. Does it sound to you, by the way, that God's planning to keep everybody out of heaven or is he trying to get them in? He's making big, big plans. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus has not been on vacation for the last 2,000 years. He's getting something ready for you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
Did Jesus say he was coming again, yes or no? Yes. yes, he did. And why is Jesus coming again? The whole purpose is so that you can be with him. That is the desire of God's heart. He wants you in his presence. This is not about God trying to wipe you out. This is not about God trying to destroy the world. This is about God missing you, and he comes because he wants you where he is. The Bible says the second coming of Christ is an absolute reality. But what in the world will it be like? What exactly should you expect when Jesus comes? Tonight I want to deal just with the things that we know absolutely for sure. And when you go through the Bible, I find five things you can stand on absolutely for sure, rock solid, undeniable. Would you like to see those five things tonight, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> Most people would like to see those things in America today. It's an amazing thing that has happened in our generation. Interest in such things has gone up, especially since 9-11. Something changed that day. People got more interested in this kind of thing because they sensed it's not business as usual anymore. But unfortunately, people are going to all the wrong places for their information. They are. I remember Time Magazine put out an issue shortly after 9-11, the next summer in 2002. They were astonished, the editors of Time Magazine. They said, wow, church attendance is way up after 9-11. And it was. Unfortunately, it didn't take too long for us in America to stop going to church again about five months later. But it went way up. And they said interest in prophecy is way up. They ran this story. July the 1st, 2002. The headline, The Bible and the Apocalypse. Why more Americans are reading and talking about the end of the world. Now let me show you something interesting that I noticed in this article. This is now going back, what, this is 14 and a half years ago. Can you believe it's 14, it's like almost 15 years ago to 9-11. Here's what the article said. Listen to this. The experience of last year, the terrorist attacks... The anthrax deaths, boy, we didn't even mention that one when we did Matthew 24. Remember the anthrax thing? The anthrax deaths not only deepened interest among Christians fluent in the language of Armageddon and Apocalypse, it broadened it as well to an audience that had never paid much attention to the predictions of the doomsday prophet Nostradamus. Now, why did they have to go and mix Nostradamus with the Bible? Everybody wants to do that. We'll actually talk about Nostradamus in the coming night. Like, is he for real? We'll look at that. They never paid much attention to the predictions of the doomsday prophet Nostradamus or been worried about an epic battle that marks the end of time or, for that matter, read the book of Revelation. Since September 11, people from cooler corners of Christianity have begun asking questions about what the Bible has to say about how the world ends. And preachers have answered their questions with sermons they could not have imagined giving a year ago. And even among more secular Americans, there were some who were primed to see an omen in the smoke of the flaming towers. Today they're seeing the same omen in the weather. 49% of Americans now say that the weather is an indication we're moving into the last days. 49%. They saw an omen in the smoke of the flaming towers. Now, look at this. Though it had, here's where the preacher's heart breaks a little bit, it had more to do with their beach reading than with their Bible. I was all excited reading the article. Oh, this is great. People are going back to the Word of God. But where were people getting their information from their 
beach reading. Unfortunately, in this day and age, our generation runs to the internet for information, and we like it in little bite-sized pieces, 140 characters on Twitter. We just like a little here, a little there. We go to YouTube and Hollywood for religious instruction. We run out and buy religious fiction, which is becoming one of the biggest sections in the Christian bookstore. Nothing inherently wrong with that, but that is not a substitute for reading the Bible itself. When it comes to the second coming, there's only one textbook. It's the Word of God. You have got to be absolutely certain. You do not want to get your information anywhere except this book. You want to be absolutely certain with the second coming that you are standing on a thus says the Lord. You want to be sure that it's an it is written at every turn. You want to stand here. If there's one thing you want to be sure of in the last days is that you know exactly what this book says. Why? We remember what Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. If there's one topic where deception will be prevalent, it's the second coming of Christ. This is one time you want to be absolutely sure. The only safe place to stand is the Bible. That's it. And tonight the Bible gives us five things we know absolutely for sure. Are you ready to look at them? Are you ready? Some of you aren't too sure. Are you ready? All right, make sure your seatbelts are buckled. Here we go. Five things we know beyond any shadow of a doubt about the second coming of Christ. These are the certainties. These are the things you can bank on. Number one, Jesus is literally going to come back himself physically. It will be the real Jesus. Now, Sean, that seems obvious. Why would you say that? Well, it's because in this day and age, there are lots of people who say, oh, Jesus coming back, that's just symbolic. It represents when you have a spiritual awakening in your heart, and and that's the second coming of Christ. There's a, a spiritual awakening, and now Jesus came for you. There's another thread of thought that's been out there on the streets for a while saying Jesus came a long time ago in a spiritual sense. Attach a date to it, the early 20th century. But it's not true. The Bible teaches the real Jesus literally comes back. How do I know that? Well, the Bible says so. Listen to this amazing passage in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. This is the ascension of Jesus. He's about to go back. Well, he's on his way back to heaven by the time we get to verse 10. And his disciples are standing there watching him go up. You would be too because you're about to lose Jesus. You've been with him for three and a half years and he's going up. So they're watching. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, the Bible says, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. There's that symbol again. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The 